This podcast is brought to you by Lacrosse All-Stars, growing the game one podcast at a time. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the next episode of the Know the Game podcast. I know it's been quite a while since I recorded one of these, but... You know, after this crazy summer, it's time to start picking things back up again. So right now we are in the midst of the World Indoor Championships. Box is starting to get fresh in our minds again. And while I did record this interview way back in January at LaxCon, it was another one of our LaxCon series interviews, um, it's still hyper-relevant, which is something that we always try to do anyway. But it's especially relevant because... Our guests today are actually having the festival that they mentioned. Um, They mentioned it a little bit um, towards the end of the interview. Um, The Wooden Stick Festival with Indigenous Values up in Onondaga, New York. Right outside of Syracuse, they're going to be on the shores of Onondaga Lake. They're going to be having some actual games with wooden sticks, not exclusively, but mostly. And really celebrate the part of lacrosse that unfortunately gets ignored by way too many people in the lacrosse world. Now the guests are Clay and Croy Arnold. And while they may not be household names to most people in the lacrosse world, um, they've probably been at the same event as you if you've been to any major event in the Mid-Atlantic up to Northeast. They've been in just about everything. So you'll get a little bit of their background as we start the interview. But, um, you know, I think you'll find what they have to say pretty interesting. So I hope you enjoy this one. We are here. Um, this is the night before LaxCon. Um, but we are here with Clay and Croy Arnold. Um, Clay and Croy are two guys I've played with before at the wonderful Lax All-Stars Invitational um, on the Onondaga Nation. Um, but they are very, very deeply involved in the game, and they're also um, you know, running an exhibition here at LaxCon um, that they're going to have a chance to talk about as well. So welcome to the show, guys. <laughs> All right. So the the fun thing, um, this is a podcast, which means that everyone can only hear you, but you guys are not just brothers with the same last name. You also happen to be identical twins on top of that, too. All right. So really quick, just, just to see if anyone can do it, do a little bit of ID on the, the microphone. All right, so see if you can pick it up. We'll, I'll try to direct things to Croy if I can, or you know, go go things to Clay and you know, try to help you out on the on the listener side there. But you know, we'll sort of see where things go. But um, all right, so let's start all the way down to the very basics. Start with Croy. Who are you? So why are we actually talking to you right now? Do do a sixty second intro of who you are, um, and then we'll bump it over to Clay. Boston, um, uh, currently play with the 
Peterborough tournament in the ALL um, and World Travelers. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Clay, um, you guys are pretty inseparable, I have to admit. So what are you going to say differently on that one? Differently, okay. Um, <laughs> Clay, I play attack, Clay plays midfield. <laughs> um, like, But different sides of the field. Yes. Or floor. Left handed and Croy is right handed, so <laughs> that does not help anybody on the floor on the field or the floor either though. So, <laughs> so you do everything just uh opposite. Yeah. I guess the technical term is weird <laughs> Yes. Um all right. So let's just start with um, you know, start with the basics. You guys, you know, began your playing with the Red Hawks in Onondaga. So what is that like growing up in that sort of lacrosse environment that, you know, you don't typically get in, you know, signing up for just a normal town youth league? Um, you know, we gave Croy the big intro. So, Clay, why don't you start with this one? Well, with the, growing up and playing with the Onondaga Redhawks, uh, well, when I grew up, the league's a little different now, but uh, every weekend we'd be traveling up to Canada to play, where most people would be traveling, you know, across across the different towns in the county or maybe into different states for tournaments, we would literally be traveling across the entire, traveling across into a different country to play. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it's, you also get a deep and rich uh, history when it comes to the sport. You learn to respect and honor the ancestors and, tr- and the actual uh, background of the sport itself. You don't just uh, get, you know, uh, the... One, you know, the parents are involved just as much as they are in any other league. But uh, when it comes to uh, the Onondaga, you get just not just uh, the parents, but they are also the leaders of the Haudenosaunee Confederacy that are in the stands <laughs> watching you play. So. Yeah, and it's one of those situations where the crowd that's looking on, if they have something to bad to say about your play, chances are they kind of know what they're talking about too. Um, so, and actually to that point, what is it like growing up with, you know, that sort of, um, you know, education around the game? Cause I remember back when I was living in Syracuse, I was a ref for a fifth and sixth grade or a fourth and fifth grade team, something like that. Um, and one of the, oh yeah. And you know, it, it was, you know, you had the Camillus group, you had Liverpool, um, but there's also Lafayette and you wound up with, you know, their goalie in fourth grade is getting warmed up by Sid Hill with a wooden stick. It was a little different than, you know, the, the club team out of Beeville. <laughs> so, so uh, Croy, why don't you talk about that a little bit too? Because, you know, the box game, especially in the Can-Am league, you do have a lot more wooden sticks in play. What is it like growing up around that? Whereas, you know, when you're um, when you're not in that environment, wooden sticks are a little bit more of a novelty. You know, they're not used the same way. Yeah, so I guess uh, growing up uh, around wooden sticks, I've, um, I mean, obviously I've seen them play with the senior team when I was in a minor organization, but then also I've used wooden sticks when I was young too. So having a wooden stick in my hand playing even at, some sort of powerful thing 
when you have a wooden stick. It's it's a connection that you can't describe, honestly. Like I I couldn't even put it into words right now if I really even tried. But um just knowing there's that connection, that's such a powerful connection within the community, within the stick in your hand, um, playing for that team, it just it like I said, I mean you can't put it to words. Um, but it's And that actually makes me think um, the Thompsons are pretty famous about the fact that they were pretty much forced to use wooden sticks, you know, their whole time growing up. Um, do you think that actually does change the way that you play, whether, you know, it's an actual technical thing of learning how to play with a heavier stick that's not offset all the way to actually approaching the game differently? Like you said, were you actually when you were say eight years old did that did the actual proverbial weight of the stick actually weigh on you as much as just the the physical side of it too um i have always felt that there is a slight difference with a wooden stick um other than the connection um just the physical as you said the off like not being offset or anything like that um slightly weighted to one side So, Clay, I'm actually curious, um, when did you actually start playing formal field lacrosse? Because obviously the box is a big component of it, but when did you guys actually start moving to that version? So it's pretty early on. I was going to say, you can't mention Jordan Elbridge without mentioning one of the Thorpes. Like, it has to happen. switch happened that Croy became the midi and you became the attack? So actually, it's um, kind of a funny story, because I actually uh, always in field, you know, playing with box, we always just wanted to run a lot, and in fact, our parents always have stories, um, still tell stories of us uh, playing box when we were three, just 
running and then we would just run on the floor until we were blue in the face and literally be spread eagle on the floor <laughs> and our coach would have to come and pick us up off the floor and carry us to the bench. <laughs> so, um, but uh, the transition from uh, me playing attack and Corey playing midfield, um, so I always played midfield up until um, my first year modified in seventh grade actually. Um, I played a little, a uh, little more midfield, um, but actually uh, it started my transition more towards attack. Um, and then come freshman year of high school, uh, we didn't have any lefties, and I was always a lefty. And I, you know, being a natural lefty, coach, uh, he came up to me and he was like, "You're gonna have to play, have to play attack." And me, I was just like thinking like, okay, what does this mean exactly? And he's like, well, you can you can still finish and you shoot the ball just as well and handle just as well as everybody else. You're just going to be playing against people instead of <laughs> short sticks. So, in my mind, like, I was a little upset, but at the same time, then I realized after the first, like, week or so, I was like, I don't have to run as much as I did in midfield. <laughs> yeah, you, that was the exact thought that drove me to playing long pole, was... <laughs> When I signed up to play for the school in eighth grade, I signed up as a midi. Um, I was a soccer player at the time too, and I was just like, I, I run in the fall. Like that's, I run in soccer. Like this is too much running. Yeah, I'm going back to defense. Like that's, tra- traded some CDs for a long pole, and I'm like no, that, that's it. I just kept playing. I kept. I always played. You know, I still play defensive transition in the box, so that's where I get a lot of my running out that way. Um, and, you know, being an attackman, it just uh, got me to be a better shooter playing box, and uh, I, my accolades speak for themselves, I think, when it comes to something like that. So, so I, I'm actually curious then, um, it was a debate I was having with somebody recently, what's your feel on one-handed versus two when you're teaching field? Yep. So, <laughs> we, no, I, I know him. <laughs> so, um, and if your listeners know anything about West Tennessee, then they'll know that's like fundamentals, like everything has to be overhand on shots. You have a one-by-one one square next to your ear yeah. that every pass has so, to go to. But So, like, it was different, you know. Like, we have to, our coach always tried to force us to go with our opposite hands during practices. But in the games, he realized that, like, you're going to be able to catch with it. And, you know, even today, like, we'll be able to catch. You know, we can pass with it. We can somewhat shoot with our right hand and our opposite hands. But in, in the end of the day, it's not too pretty. <laughs> 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 At the end of the day, we're going to stay with our dominant hands. So as for teaching-wise, we tell them, like, you're going to need to learn it eventually. But, you know, learn at your own pace. <laughs> if you want to, as long as, you know, everybody's taught us. Alfish told us this. Uh, Sid Hills taught us this. Uh, everybody said, like, as long as you can pass and catch with it, that's enough for you. Yep. <laughs> so. Yeah, and that's kind of, like, where I've come around on it, too, is, like, you have to be functional with the offhand. Because um, in the field game, it does matter a little bit more in the right situations. Yeah. Remember, there was a, a thing on Twitter a week or two ago where Randy Mearns tweeted, uh, retweeted about a video where he switched hands um, playing for the Nighthawks because he was cutting down the center and the, the feeder was on the other side. It actually made sense for him to switch hands to catch the pass. Mm-hmm. 
and then finish. And um, I forgot who it was. Maybe Teddy Jenner or someone like that was joking about like, oh, someone played crease attack. <laughs> <laughs> Because there, there just are situations where, you know, that that two-foot difference of, you know, where your stick is going to be but still have it in tight, you know, yeah, yeah. either makes a pass open yeah. or not. <laughs> or, you know, like in box, you have that 30-second shot clock. So that, you know, one-foot-by-one-foot one window, oh, that's open in box. I'll throw it there. But in field, you It's your fault if you can't catch it. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> you, you deal with the loose ball. Yeah. And honestly, like, sometimes me and my brother get annoyed. Because, like, we'll have that one foot by one foot window, and we're like, I'm open, throw me the ball, but they won't throw it there. And then we'll throw it to them when there's that one foot by one foot window. And even if it's right on their stick and they catch it, then they just get, like, so surprised that they catch it because they're like, I was still covered. (laughs) Well, that's just where you get the compliments of having great chemistry and all that sort of stuff, too. (laughs) Or you just have, like, amazing passing ability and just spit it in that square. Absolutely. Of course, if it gets knocked down, then it's a stupid pass, and you were covered, and, you know, why'd you throw it to me? Yeah, but, yeah. It's, I mean, you look at the Thompsons and the way they played at Albany. They probably had a lot of turnovers, too, but still, they, they won the tour a ton. So. You, you, got, you have to be okay with turnovers. Yeah, like it, I mean, if it hits you in the stick, I mean, you, you should catch that ball. I <laughs> I, I completely agree. Like if I drop a pass and I hit the stick, like I, that's just a terrible feeling. Like that, that was just, that was me not being good at lacrosse, and that just hurts. Um, all right, so talked about a little bit about the Red Hawks. Um, getting into the field stuff, though, you guys played at OCC. Um, you know, for Chuck Wilbur, who just recently retired, um, at least from lacrosse, but, um. What is that experience like? Because OCC has just been such a juggernaut. Um, I mean, I I honestly have no idea what is it like to beat a team thirty five to one. Like, It's just crazy. Well, so I think that's a good point, though, is you know, they did get flooded with talent. I mean, it, it's hard when you're getting, you know, Cody Jamison and, you know, Jeremy and Heine Thompson, you know, playing midfield together and you're getting Randy Stotts and you're getting guys like that come in your program. It's going to be hard not to win some games, but... <laughs> 
what is it with the actual systems they have in place, the way that they teach the game, that sort of, like, what is it with the culture that allows you to actually do it year to year to year? Because it's, every single year you lose half your team. Um, And so that's why having the stretch at OCC that they had was so crazy. It's, it was like the, you know, the old Syracuse Final Four streak of the 22 years. I mean, it's like, there wasn't a bad year. (laughs) Not that losing was an option, but it was more of um, we didn't expect to not get to yeah. the championship. Literally, our the goal every year was national championship or bust. Yeah. Like, and I guess for us, I mean, there was that one year that OCC lost in the national championship um, within that 10-year span or so. And um, um, what was it, the two years? The more recent one that I actually was a part of, if you want me to go into that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and I mean, you guys being, you know, from the Syracuse area, it's not that different from, you know, that year Syracuse across and missed the playoffs. Yeah. You know, so, okay, Final Four, yeah, like everyone can kind of shrug and be like, okay, they're not going to do it every year. Like, you know, this was bound to happen. But then, like, once that first year happened where, like, wait, they missed the playoffs? Like, yeah. that people freaked out. Yep. Well, and that's the, I mean they had ridiculous players too. I mean that's that's the crazy part about it. <laughs> Yeah, it's and I think it was late '90s too. Yeah. Like it, it was pretty new. Oh yeah, no. Herkimer turned out players. <laughs> There's, there is no secret to that one. They, they were dominant. mentality within the room that that means something being at OCC 
Which, which again, like, um, you know, when you talk about the next man up thing, junior colleges, some of them really do struggle to get a team. You get, you know, a lot of teams where a kid will pick up the stick for the first time in the fall and they're a starting midi by the spring. And OCC, when you're on the field, um, I, I think the best example is the Room to Smile Classic that, um, you know, Brandon Spiller runs at LeMoyne. LeMoyne, RIT, OCC and Cortland. I mean, that's like for the non D one schools and the ups and the central New York area. That's, that's who you want to see. And OCC is out there with like, you know, 50 people on the sideline, <laughs> especially in the fall. Um, yeah. Like in, in the fall too, cause there's, you're still got tryouts going on. Um, and they're right up there with, you know, RIT of, you know, 15 or I think they're 18,000 undergrads or something like that. Now, Cortland's always been a massive lacrosse program. LeMoyne, you know, they can pull in just about anybody they want. They have the scholarships and there's, you know, OCC sitting with 50 guys just ready to step on the field and do exactly what they need to do. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. So the next step in your life was you graduated from OCC and you moved out to Boston, um, and you played division three with UMass Boston. So what was that like making that switch? I mean, you, I'm, you know, pointing at uh clay right here with the, um, with my finger, but, um, you know, you were saying you're short stick D middies, you're D transition, and then you show up to UMass Boston and you're an attack and Croy's playing midi well, two way midi at least. Um, so yeah, yeah. Croy's, Croy's playing two way midi. You're playing attack. Um, you know, what was that switch like? And I mean, you can also pat yourself on the back and talk about the, you know, kind of the nods you got towards the end of your career too, if you want. Because <laughs> us being from New York, we were always like, oh yeah, RIT, Cortland State, you know, even like uh, Brockport or uh, St. Lawrence or something like that. We were like, oh yeah, like top 15 teams. Like, and in fact, uh, when it came down to, you know, after OCC, it was between UMass Boston and um, Nazareth. And Nazareth is always a top 25 team in the division. Again, yeah, yeah, past, uh, <laughs> past national champion, you know, they were always, they were always in making late runs. <laughs> yeah, and then you throw the UMass Dartmouth out there, and that really confuses people. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we said UMass, and they're like, oh, UMass Amherst. Like, yeah, you're going yeah. D1. We're like, no, 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 re- relax. <laughs> Which is different than the D3 Amherst. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if we just want to like keep confusing the non-Massachusetts yeah. people yeah. listening right now. Massachusetts, like, I don't know where you got your names, but you like to just regurgitate everything. 
<laughs> and and you just throw a burrow on the end yeah. of it too for fun. <laughs> Which is a that's a big deal. Well, when you had lineups like Jordan Evans in there, it's really hard to compete. Exactly. But who's counting? Yeah. <laughs> but um, so it was weird. Like, I, but um, anyways, playing at OCC with a defensive midfielder, they didn't. For some reason, it seemed like they didn't realize they played attack at some points because I go out onto the midfield line to wait for the the attackman to sub for the. Um, a penalty to release or something like that, and then Gatto, uh, he was, I remember one, uh, Coach Brimmer, he put me on there to sub for the midfield, but then obviously OCC gets the ball back before the penalty comes up, and then Gatto's like, what's Clay doing there on the attack line? <laughs> I realized they had to play attack or something, and then Coach, Coach Brimmer knew that I played for Jordan, knew I um, played for FM, he's like, he was like, a good attackman, we're fine, he's like, really? <laughs> but, but he was right after you. Well, and that actually brings up a good point for, you know, the either high school kids that might be listening to this or, you know, parents that have kids that are going through that whole process is it doesn't really matter what you did in high school when your college coach gets you on the field. Um, you know, the best example you can ever think of is Joel White showing up with his summer of playing for USA U19 as a short stick offensive midi and then throwing a long stick in his hand being like, all right, you're playing long pull midi. And he's like, but, but, (laughs) and that's all it was like, (laughs) and it's just crazy, but it really is like, it doesn't matter what what sort of accolades you had in high school, how many points against who it was, if they see you as a different role on that team, yeah. have well, fun. <laughs> well, because Coach Wilbert, he saw us playing box out all the time. He didn't even see us in high school playing, playing, uh, playing um, but, field, so. <laughs> but the thing is, he knows too much about box, though. Because if you just take a generic coach and you find out you have a box player in the team, you're playing crease. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You are standing two feet in front of the crease, and you are not moving. <laughs> They're just going to throw the ball into you. You figure it out. <laughs> but, uh, anyways, to go back to uh, UMass Boston, Coach Lowe was very, uh, very great and very open to that aspect. He was, because um, uh, I guess we didn't realize this when, but on a recruiting trip, he actually told us that he was, um, like, I guess, owned the uh, Boston Rock offers or something. Yeah, like yeah. So uh, we we had him on our podcast a couple weeks ago. Um, and yeah, he was uh, one of the original founding owners of the NALL, which right. was you know a budding professional box league. And yeah, he he owned and ran two of the teams in that league. By the way, Tyler, you still jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure he uh, he knows about that one. <laughs> Separating, 
So if you're even at every call, it was always like, call my brother next, right? Like, <laughs> yep. we were, or we were linked in the same email. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but then, so uh, he, and then we told him, like, we play defense midfielder, but I play the back. Like, I, you know, I don't, like, don't get me wrong, like, I like, how should I put this? Defensive midfielder was a good experience. I enjoyed my time <laughs> at it. <laughs> but I do like to score goals. <laughs> yep. Shoot or shoot. Yeah, exactly. Shoot or shoot. Um, and right in my trip, uh, coach was just like, oh, yeah, no, you're playing offense. Like, <laughs> there's no way I'm putting you as a defensive midfielder. You're playing offense. So. Absolutely. All right, so you just wrapped up with UMass Boston. So the next, um, you know, the next thing that you guys are doing now, and you know, it's become more significant lately, is you're playing in the ALL, so Arena Lacrosse League, um, which has a partnership with the NLL, which was announced right before the season, um, and you know that's kind of important because with the NLL growing, we need a place where you know coaches are going to be able to see you. So, you know, we know that they were, you know, paying attention to players at, you know, the last night, but last night is a lot of teams. <laughs> there's there's a lot of stuff going on there and and you yeah, and you also get to uh, you know, maybe some of the games you take a little bit off, but <laughs> depends on who you're playing against. Um, no, but why don't you talk a little bit about um, I'll ask you know, Croy, what's your experience been like so far with the ALL? And for some context with that, I'll also bring up the Redhawks because you guys won the Can-Am League this past summer. You went out and played President's Cup, which is, again, one of, has to be one of the most grueling tournaments out there. You know, yeah, every single game on concrete floors for a week is just brutal. But... Um, <laughs> Why don't you tell me a little bit about what's the ALL been like so far, even though you're not far into the season, um, and, you know, what's it compare like to, you know, the competition you're seeing at, um, you know, President's Cup, which is, you know, pretty high level. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, so currently we're playing with the Peterborough Tournament, uh, coached under Joe Sullivan there, a former Minnesota Swarm head coach there, so an NLL-level coaching staff, really, and... The competition is really something, it's unmatched, really. It's the speed, um, I mean, people say that the NLL speed is fast, but this level, I'm sure the NLL is fast, I'm not saying it's not, but I'm sure, I'm sure this one, compared to where I started with uh, minors and Can-Am Legion or something like that, this, the speed is, is extremely fast, um, you learn on the fly a lot, um, communication is top-notch defensively, um, it's it's a way to prepare guys like myself and my brother here um, for the NLL, and that's how a lot of our players are treating it, especially with this new partnership. We are here to make get ourselves noticed. We are here to make that next step into the NLL because, granted, we all know to some degree we know we all may not may not get get there, but. Yeah, I'm sure we are going to try. <laughs> <laughs> right. And um, do you actually feel like um, 
the NLL partnership really is weighing a little bit heavier this year. I mean, obviously just graduating college, you know, there's the collegiate draft. Only so many people get picked on there. Only so many of them actually get a look. But next year when free agent camp rolls around, they bring in a lot more people than they draft. <laughs> Do you think American field players would have a shot in the ALLs? Because obviously that that becomes a big topic every year when they show up to um, NLL training camps and don't realize that you should have kidney pads on, and you know you get those stories every single year. But um, <laughs> you throw that first check, and uh, all of a sudden, like, wait, why was that soft? <laughs> No, but um, is a league like that something where somebody with some raw talent could actually come out at the end of the season as a actual box player? Yeah, I would say so. Um, if they're open to learn, honestly, like I, I don't know how many field players, but I've seen how many field players that you know I've had the privilege of playing with that are amazing field players, but then when they get in that box, they don't like that close contact and that really confined space. You know? Yeah, they, they want to do things their way still, what's worked for them, and yeah. And then trying to, you know, make it so, oh, I don't need a switch hands. Oh, I only have three seconds. Oh, this guy is right in my hands, and the window is only a foot, a foot wide. You know, it's sometimes they can. So I've seen players that have picked it up and do really well in that situation. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but there are some players who don't. I'm just saying it's a, a lot of work, a lot of practice. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I've started noticing that too. Like you, you do things very differently. And actually I've sort of switched to the point where I'm much more of a box player at this point. I'd play field once in a while and I made a horrible mistake in a clear because I moved back to long pole and I realized like I couldn't figure out why I made this really stupid pass. And it's because I got so used to the box clears and where everyone is and just like the the way that the other team rides you going back to that people were just like nowhere where i expected them to be and so i'm like all right i'm not doing defense anymore switch to attack it worked great (laughs) like i don't even play forward in box but all of a sudden like playing attack was easy (laughs) yeah like uh you know i did the same thing so it's easy to score i was like 64 square feet of that Yeah, it'd be those guys that show up when you're 40 with the box helmet on at the alumni games. <laughs> We're the guys that hopefully have the NLL 
Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So let's actually talk about why you guys are here in Philly. You're at LaxCon. Um, let's actually, you know, turn back over to Clay. Why are you here? So we're actually here um, helping our parents uh, promote the Haudenosaunee uh, Wind Stick Festival. It's uh, and uh, it's an event that shows the traditions and honors the heritage and meaning behind the game of lacrosse itself. Um, and attached to that, we also uh, host a Masters Lacrosse Tournament called the Randy Hall Memorial <coughs> Tournament. <coughs> and um, that is played as a 5x5 five five box-like style, um, but there's no board. Uh, there is box goals and box goalies, however, but it's so it's 5x5, uh, five 5-on-5, five, five five, just like uh, a box game, just there's no boards, and we use... Uh, wooden sticks and a leather ball. I was gonna say you have to bring up the ball. I, I was there right after last night. You know, I stopped by and um, it's it's cool to see. I mean, even if you're not actually playing, it's just cool to see a bunch of players out there with you know wooden sticks, and all of a sudden you see the ball like laying down on the ground. I'm like, oh, oh, that's cool. <laughs> that, that one plays a little bit different too. Um, and when you say masters. Thirty-five is very young. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. <laughs> All right, thirty-five and up. And do you have to play with a wooden stick? You don't have to. We honestly prefer it because it's called the Wooden Stick Festival, and we're trying to honor the aspect of the wooden stick, the connection to the nature, which is what the Haudenosaunee really brings to it when you when you have a wooden stick. You don't get the same feeling. I mean, um, if anybody out there has talked to Alex Johnson, he'd say the same thing. You don't get the same feeling that you do with a plastic or a composite stick. You know, you feel like the connection through the wood, through the gut, the leathers, the rawhide, the whole thing. It's just a connection and a deeper meaning to the sport um, when you have a wooden stick um, in comparison to the plastic. And, I mean, when you talk about that part of the game, too, um, we do have to bring up the location, um, you know, right on the shore of Onondaga Lake, um, which is just a little bit north of city of Syracuse. Um, I'll turn it back over to Croy. Um, you know, what's the significance of having it on the shores of Onondaga? sacred lake for the Haudenosaunee, for the Onondagas, and just being being there, it's, and playing that game with the wooden sticks and the leather ball, it's, it brings a lot of, um, it, it deepens the connections to the game for everyone that sees it. Um, I'm sure for you, Ryan, if 
you had you definitely felt something <laughs> that there was something there for sure. Yeah, and I mean I also do have to add that, you know, Onondaga Lake has is going through a little bit of a rebirth right now too, because for anyone that's not familiar with it, for most of my life that was easily regarded as the most polluted lake in the entire country, if not world. Um <laughs> Yeah, there's, uh, I, I did a, I did actually did a whole research project on this in college and, you know, learned about the, the ethyl mercury sitting at the bottom, which is pretty much the worst type of mercury. Apparently there's different types and this one is like, if you touch it, you get cancer, um, with like not really an exaggeration. Um, there's an entire beach of soda ash sitting over there to the, the chemical plants, um, you know, there's there were native uh, fish and things that were specific to Onondaga Lake that have since you know gone through extinction. Um, you know, there's like every single mistake that a city could make with a lake, they made with that lake. Like it, it was really everything. Um, and, and I know that's a big thing that's going on right now is they are cleaning it up. It's not to the ideal standards, <laughs> I think. Well, it's still a super fun site so it's still a super fun site yes yeah and and i mean that's that's kind of the thing is i remember when i was growing up in the area um you know summer days you did not want to be downwind from that lake and at least now at this point the, the surface water you know if you're in the first you know 20 feet of water yeah it's it's swimmable and you can do that sort of stuff people are on their boats and that sort of thing which at least makes you know events like this on the shore like it's something where you're one step closer to really being able to sort of like you know reclaim this as like this is a place that actually is special and you know use it the way it's supposed to be used you know it's not going to get all the way back there in our lifetimes but it's closer Oh yeah. It it's not. It's I mean, when you're talking about a lake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah. So there's still signs. There are signs up now that you know we're, you're not supposed to eat the fish. Um, people say you know you, oh you should be fine, but you're not supposed to eat the fish. You're not supposed to go swimming. It's just a whole. It's it's still very sick. Yeah. All right. Now, I do have to bring you back because we are um, running pretty close on time. I got to start wrapping up. So I got five questions that I ask all of our guests. Um, and rather than having one of you answer one and then go to the next question for the other one, I'm going to have you do both. So we'll see who gets to go first on each and no copying. All right. So start with Clay. Um, what is something that is talked about too much in the sport of lacrosse that pulls away attention from other more important things? I can see the wheels turning with Croy too happily holding his microphone away. Um, you know, uh, we just played it and 
you know, getting prepared for battle and stuff like that. It's not like that at all. And that's what my family and my brother and I were trying to do um, with this festival is we're trying to teach the actual the, the meaning behind it. And it's a healing game. It's a game for peace. Um, it's a game that nations played to settle conflict um, amongst, amongst the people. Yeah, it was essentially instead of war. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> um, Croy? Um, I, I gotta say, he had a good answer. You gotta. Yeah. I don't know how you're gonna top that one. <laughs> you're like, I, I think people pay too much attention to shorts. Like, <laughs> it's too much design. Yeah, you're you're our face off guy the last night year too when you were playing with the house team. Yeah, I've done I've done it all. Well and actually really quick, thinking of last night, who was the one that played with somebody else's stick? Oh, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Clay just raised his hand. I I just have to do do a little side note on that one. There's a there's a there's a loose ball along the boards. You know, there's a lot of pushing and shoving happens, and you know everybody's stick wound up on the ground. There wasn't like throwing gloves or anything, but you know sticks got checked out of hands. And you did the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life, which is you just picked up the stick with the ball and ran up the floor, and the guy was just standing there like trying to tell the ref that you took his stick, and the ref's like, "I don't know what you're talking about." <laughs> All right, all right. So that was a nice little side path, but continue, continue, <laughs> Croy. <laughs> so the, the aspect of uh, short sixteen midfielders, uh, attack uh, offensive midfielders, LSMs, Fogos. You know, I'm, I'm going to say, you know, defense and pack. You guys, you guys are safer right now. <laughs> but, um, Our goalie's too specialized. <laughs> and they'll say the same thing too they're like just let me do my thing come on (laughs) but um i i think that we need to get away from that specialized go back to like the 80s and 90s where we had the gate builders going both both ways uh offense defense you had them running doing full full field clears uh behind the back from the string box anything like that Restraining box to the crease. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tommy said it. It looked awesome. I knew he was involved somehow. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm sure. Pretty sure Marichek caught that pass. <laughs> Either way, 
education and just have it be to have me sisters. Uh, that's what I did in college, and as much as I at times hated the running, um, I honestly think it made me a, a better overall player. I think there's uh, probably some coaches that are sitting here either in their car listening to this or, you know, looking at their phone, just screaming to themselves like, be an athlete, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now I'm going to flip it. What is something that does not get enough attention? Absolutely. And I mean, we could do an entire show just on that. In fact, I almost did with Artie West, but she also brought up the other good point, which is the drastically overlooked um, segment is also women's players um, that don't get the sort of attention that they truly deserve. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a different story too. (laughs) Um, All right, Clay. <laughs> that doesn't get enough attention. Hmm. Uh, probably, and this is going to sound me being my major, but probably like being in the weight room and uh, the nutrition and uh, the actual like having to lift weights. I mean, it, it takes work to be good. <laughs> right, is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> yes. It's not to... just playing. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, we actually did have to condition. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, that's something where it's becoming a bigger deal in high schools. I don't know if when you guys were at FM, if you had a, you know, a strength and lifting program or anything like that. But, um, you know, there's, yeah, there's nothing like that in my high school. Yeah, there, there's the football players, you know, they had, they had like weight limits for positions mapped out and those guys went into powerlifting or wrestling in the off season. But like lacrosse was like, 
No. Yeah, we, we, were, we, were, we were very tiny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, that's just, it, it is such a fundamental part of the game. And I know, um, you know, people have talked about, in my high school, I was one or two years behind Mikey Powell, who was, I didn't go to his high school, I didn't play at Carthage, but he would play our school. And, you know, we had a defender that wound up going to Canisius who held him to, like, a goal and an assist or something like that. You know, it was, it was nothing crazy. I mean, he was still Mikey Powell, but, you know, they he, he played pretty well and, you know, was a good player. But then he go, shows up to Syracuse, you get in that formal program, and you see stuff like that, like the jump from your high school to freshman year of college when you actually get into that sort of thing. For some people, if they're so underdeveloped, like the – you know, the gains they get um, right away can make such an impact in what you can do. And all of a sudden, like, his quickness, his power, all that stuff was just immediately obvious. I actually, I, I, um, funny that you mentioned that, um, your story, because I actually, out of high school, like, my senior year, junior year, um, I, I I would say I know Giorgio Marasco, like, fairly well. And um, I, I was getting concerned because, like, I wasn't getting the looks I wanted to get out of high school. And so I, on Facebook, I messaged Jojo Prasco. I'm like, what can I do to get at a Syracuse caliber level? And he said, like, once you get, like, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. You're doing fine. You know, you're doing what you need to to get noticed. <clears throat> but, you know, you have, you know, once you get into that level, you'll see, like, the formal, and then your skills will start getting better. Your speed will start picking up. And it, that's, I 100% agree with what Jojo said, Jojo Marasco said. Like, Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> um, all right. Next question. Yeah, Clay, I'll start with you. You are given $50 million. You have to spend on lacrosse somehow. How do you do it? Eight rooms for everyone. <laughs> um, I would probably like try starting a youth organization. Honestly, me and my brother um, still grassroots, very, very minor, nothing serious at the moment. But me and my brother are trying to start a youth program. And if I, you know, I guess fifty million dollars of winning the lottery, that would help a lot trying to start an organization in that sense. Yeah, that would get you some resources. <laughs> All right, Croy, how about you? Syracuse Smash 2.0. Oh. I'm not going anywhere near those fans. I would go for that. Yeah. I would go for that. I like it. 
All right. So next one is what is something funny from this past week, lacrosse related or not? It can be a stupid video you've seen. Could just be, you know, Clay walking into a wall, anything like that. <laughs> I might have to loop in Baby Shark underneath this now. Yep. <laughs> um, I mean, I used um, I used uh, something else to check myself. Yeah, I've used an arm pad. Yeah, I found myself there. <laughs> and, um, you know, my brother you know, takes a bounce. We shot. all said no bounce shots, but of course I had to take at least one bounce. You had to get one bounce. You're shot. not a brother if you don't. Exactly. <laughs> you had to get one bounce shot. Shoots, hits, hits me, and um, you know, I go down for a little bit. Uh, get back up, uh, feeling pretty good. Get back in the net, in the net. You know, just like every every goalie, there's a little loose in the head sometimes. And um, my my buddy Brandon, he takes a couple warm up shots, and um, the third warm up shot hits me there again. Oh man! <laughs> yeah, you just see, he's like, "All right, just gonna shoot at you, and right back in the groove." <laughs> that that is when you are done for the day. Yeah. Oh no, I uh, I, I soaked it and uh, taking the <laughs> <laughs> like I said, the goalies are a little bit crazy. Sometimes. <laughs> All right, Clay. Um, oh, okay. So during our ALL, um, our first home uh, um, home opener, we had a, a practice early before our game, and um, one of our guys, Banger, he comes in and he doesn't have uh, the right he doesn't have the right helmet on. We all have to wear black helmets, and um, he um, so he doesn't have his helmet ready because his cage. He plays for the Ottawa Act. Or plays for the Capital Region Axemen, um, so he has his helmet for the Ottawa Axemen, but um, he needs his black helmet, so his cage doesn't want to come off his helmet. So he grabs another helmet and doesn't, <clears throat> and it doesn't fit him well. Like if he tries running, it literally just like covers his eyes. And goes blind. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we were doing a two-on-two, and uh, for some reason, this guy like he just wants to go like all out. During practice, like two hours before our first our game, <laughs> so then I'm playing up, I'm being up on him. I try, drive, you know, I drive him down to the boards. All of a sudden, I see him just dive into the middle of the air with the ball and try to score on our goalie. <laughs> <laughs> he just rams into our goalie. <laughs> His helmet goes flying. I hit him in the face, and, and he's just him laying there, just laughing the entire time. <laughs> Everybody on the entire bench is like, "What the hell, banger!" <laughs> I like it. All right. Um, last one is this will be easy for you guys because I'm pretty sure that you watch every lacrosse game that exists anyway. Um, but what is the last lacrosse game you watch purely for fun? Oh, 
Yeah, because you watch every game together, so yeah. <laughs> whoever whoever gets the first one. Oh, the Seals Mammoth? Yeah. That was yep. Uh, that was just sit back and watch, enjoy yeah, it. Yeah. Watch, and then, you know, Brandon being a goalie, he's just like, oh, yeah, watch. He's gonna, the goalie's going to get scored on here. Next shot, he gets scored on right when <laughs> <laughs> So it's always kind of fun. And then, you know, me, we always say, like, oh, who's the first? You know, with the Seals, it was like, who's the first person that was going to score for franchise history with the Seals? And then we would call out, like, all, like was it uh, Dan Dawson, Austin Stonks, and then what, uh, Freddie Brands, like, watch it. He's, like, someone who's, like, never been hurt. Before. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's just, like, some, it was, he wasn't, like, random, but it was just, like, someone you don't expect to score. Oh. <laughs> well, I said Jordan Merrill was going to be on the, on the play somehow, and it definitely was Jake Slaughter. All right. You get to finish it up. What's the last game you watched for fun? Last game I watched. That it wasn't the Seals Mammoth. <laughs> we, both, both my brother and I, um, a couple family friends, my parents, we went to a game at Bandits Rock Rock game. Oh, yeah. Um, that was not a good game. <laughs> but it was, um, it was fun nonetheless. Being in Bandit Land, just being in that atmosphere, mm-hmm. surrounded by um, 11,000 yeah. plus, um, just, it's always fun. Hearing Sweeney, If you haven't been to a Buffalo Bandits game, I suggest going. You have to do it. Yeah, you have to. Like <laughs> yeah, I, I, one of the best tweets I saw recently was from the Nighthawks when they were playing the Bandits, and one of the Nighthawks players got a penalty, and all they wrote was, the spelling bee has started. <laughs> Which, if you haven't actually been to a Bandits game or know oh. about it, it's the the unity and the chants in that arena are just phenomenal. I mean, it's for players, it's for you know the actual team doing stuff, it's for penalties. It's just it, I love it. Oh yeah, I mean you you never want to be a visiting fan or. Visiting van, especially in in any Buffalo place. Yeah, you don't want to be a visiting fan in Buffalo, just in general. <laughs> it's not fun. Whether it's Sabers, Bandits, Bills, like you know, Bills, you might get a win, but you're not gonna you're not gonna have fun. <laughs> All right. Well, that's enough for today. Um, you know, we we went way over the time we're supposed to, but I mean, to be fair. I got you had double the time. I mean, let, let's be serious. Um, no, but I think, uh, you know, great conversation. Hope you guys, uh, you know, enjoy LaxCon. You do a good job, you know, spreading what you're trying to do with indigenous values, you know, get people interested in the tournament, wooden stick festival. Cause you know, I agree more people need to just constantly be exposed to that part of a game, you know, as much as it keeps growing around the country, around the world, like that's what makes lacrosse different. From everything else. Yeah, I mean, you can't relate. You can't date. You can date the sports back to to its rich history and tradition that go back to the sport. You can't put that with football. No, no. So you know, keep up the good work. Um, you know, good luck with the rest of your ALL season, 
and uh, I will hopefully see you guys in a box somewhere soon as well. You know, who knows? Maybe it might be Lasni, but um, we'll see where it goes. All right, thank you. All right, and that's all we have for today. Thank you for listening into this episode. I hope you find everything interesting with Clay and Croy. Make sure to look them up on all the various social media channels. They have indigenous values as one place to check. But also make sure you look up Spirit Twins Lacrosse, where they're doing all sorts of camps and clinics and other things as their own company now. So they've launched that just recently. So make sure you check them out. And as always, go to laxallstars.com for all of our newest content. Make sure you check things out. And I will catch you next time.